Have you been struggling to make solid cinematic films? Do you watch other filmmakers and wonder why their products look so good? You need training. Good, specialized training. Something that is easy to digest and that you can take safely at home. I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about full-time filmmaker. Parker Wahlbeck and his team have put together an amazing course with over 400 training videos. Everything from Wedding Video Pro with Jake Weisler to how to edit with Premiere or Final Cut. Imagine getting proper, real-world training you can do at home. Imagine the impact that would have on your work, your skills increase, your quality increases, and then so do your prices. Click on our affiliate link below, take the free online training on their top 10 secrets to achieving cinematic shots, and see what full-time filmmaker can do for you. We did it, and it propelled our business. videography for beginners podcast i'm your host phil be about and today we are covering working with your partner today is really special uh, i have finally convinced Brittany to come on the podcast so i'm not doing it by myself so it's really important that we play nice that way she keeps coming on the podcast and we keep everything just like this because I, I want her to keep coming back on over and over and over again so uh, i'm really excited uh we're going to be we're going to be discussing a few different things about working with your partner, one of which is what what some studies say about some things, uh, what we think of working together. I want to look at uh, business strategies and learning styles, and then I also want to talk about when not to work with your partner. So we're, we're going to cover a couple of different things today. So without further ado, welcome, Brittany. Thank you, Philip. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so... Can you turn my levels down just a little bit? Um, let's let's get into what what some studies say. Well, actually, first, do you want to you want to introduce yourself? You want to? I mean, you are the other half of Be About Exposure, so that I am. Um, I'm Brittany. I've uh, been a second shooter now for a little over a year. Um, COVID year 2020 was not great for a second shooter, but um. We're hoping that next year is much better, and that will be the year that I dive in with both feet. Um, my background is not in photography, videography. I picked up a camera maybe recreationally um, when I was younger. My first camera was a Kodak point-and-shoot camera, and that's before... Uh, we got into this business. That was about all that I had experienced with one additional class in college. All right. Lean back a little bit. All right. So let's, let's, let's dive into the first part. There are just what, what some studies say, and then what, what our initial thoughts on working together are like, uh, I know that I love it. I do think that it's really hard because it's very hard to separate work life from home life especially because I don't have to go anywhere. I can just work in my basement <clears throat> and then just call it a day. Uh, so I'm really guilty of talking about uh, 
work during everything, whether that's that's dinner or anything else. Like I'm, I'm really guilty of talking about work all the time. Uh, so it's, it's, it is a tough thing to, to separate the two. Absolutely. Um, I think that it is important to have a work-life balance and sometimes work just needs to be nine to five and everything else needs to be off limits. Off limits. Yeah. So, I mean, just, just a couple of little ground, ground rules. I think when you're, when you're working with your, your partner, your significant other, I think that you really uh, need to make sure that you understand the time and financial risks that are involved. I think that you really need to discuss, you know, how it's going to impact your relationship and your lifestyle. You need to sit down and have some realistic conversations with each other about like what, what this is actually going to look like. And then you need to, you need to determine the roles and responsibilities for each person and then also respect those same roles. And I know a lot of this seems intuitive, but it's not. And the reason why I say that is because study after study shows just a multitude of different things. There's, you know, all kinds of recommendations on this kind of stuff, and they all tend to point back to the same things over and over again. So it's really important that you kind of separate these things out and you, you really respect what each person is supposed to be doing. And, you know, I was reading earlier about a, a Danish study that talked about starting a business, and they found that starting a business together is typically a sound investment of both partners' human capital. It has added the benefit of reducing income inequality in the household. So what they're talking about is when people go into business together, like a husband and wife, the way that that study kind of worded everything is that kind of removes that patriarchal boundary of the man as the primary caregiver and the woman just stays home. Like that's, you know, it's that 1950s model. And what they found is when they're both working together, they both have an equal share in what's coming into the house. So that, that reduces that, that income inequality. Now, the irony is the next study that I read coming out of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, was obviously done in the United States. And they said that gender inequality in the distribution of control was more likely to occur within spousal teams. So according to the paper's authors, women have reduced chances to be in charge if they co-found new businesses with their husbands. Brittany, discuss. <laughs> Ah, how do you unwrap this one? We have two kids and I take on the brunt of child raising during the nine to five. Phil also has a full-time job. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of things to unpack there. Uh... I mean, I think I do think that it's it's ironic, I guess, that in the United States, the results are significantly different than the results that are in Europe. So I guess that that's all it's situationally dependent between people. And that goes back to like having a an actual realistic discussion with your partner on what owning a business and being entrepreneurs will actually look like. 
That way, when you do get into roles and responsibilities, there's not overlap or cannibalization to where, you know, one person is doing everything and the other person isn't. Just saying. Uh, so it, it is it is really important that that everybody understands what they're doing, how they're going to do it. And I think that directly affects uh, the, the outcome and the success of the business that you're trying to do, because at the end of the day, everybody is trying to make a successful business. I mean, that's, I know that's our goal and you know, I just, yeah, I mean, pe people want to be successful. So it's, it's important that you communicate and we're going to, we're going to talk more about that here in the next, the next thing. Cause did you have anything you wanted to add to that or? Um, I mean, it's, it's tough from the start, like you said, it's important that everyone knows their roles and their place in the business. Um, our business started out with you in the lead. So I kind of got drug into it. And while I don't regret it and I enjoy it, it definitely um, wasn't my, like my ideas, my plan. And as we get more into it, my roles pick up as our children get older, my responsibilities become more in line with our company. Yeah. And I mean, that just kind of goes back to uh, making sure that you understand the time and financial risks involved, discussing how it's going to impact your relationship and lifestyle. I just started this business and started doing it and then just kind of nudged Brittany into it without ever really talking to her about what was going on. So it's really important that you do, you do discuss these things because not everything works out like it did with us. So, all right. So move, just moving into some things that, that I kind of think of when, when you're working with your partner, uh, the first one is just be nice. Like, I know that that's, it's like that golden rule, like treat others like you would want to be treated. I know it sounds you know, like, oh, yeah, of course, I want to be nice. But you really find that you don't. And when it comes to somebody like me in my previous life, when I worked in nuclear, I yelled at people all the time, like we everybody was paramilitary, like we we did things in a completely different way than what you would do in a normal corporate environment. Like there was nothing abnormal to, you know, scream at somebody for a minute, like that was just it's the culture that you get. And, you know, I would put people on individual development plans or targeted performance improvement plans and all these other things. And you, know, you terminate people like you, you do a bunch of stuff. And then you, you go to a an environment where you're working with your your significant other. And you can't do that. You can't just write a T-pip and tell them that they have six months to get these goals put together or they're done. Like, that's just not really an option. So you have to completely change your mindset on how you're even going to be interacting with the other person because there is a there's a different level. I don't want to say value, but that's the only word that's coming to my head. But there's a different level that you have with that person. Like that person is you know, she's my ride or die. So it's one of those things to where like, I can't treat her like that. It's just, it's just how that works. Yeah, no, you don't want to do that. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> she'd be getting half. <laughs> so, uh, that's a, it's a Eddie Murphy joke, but, um, 
So you need to be flexible and you need to compromise a lot. And I think one of the biggest things is you need to communicate and you need to just over communicate and then listen. And what I mean by listen is you need to, well, so you need to do what's called whole face listening. And I know that that sounds kind of strange, but you know, something that was beat into me early on in my career was when someone is talking to you, you listen with your entire face, meaning you're not looking down at your cell phone. You're not flipping through something on your computer. You're just making eye, ta- eye contact with the person and you're absorbing everything that they're saying. That, that's called whole face listening. Um, you want to make sure that you let them finish their thoughts, that you don't cut them off and then try to finish what they're doing, which I am just the worst at like I, I cut people off left and right. And I tell them that like, Hey, yeah, like I just try to scoot them along into what they're talking about. And that's, that's not how you want to do things, especially if you're working with your partner. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think also it's really important to know that people have different learning styles. Some people take longer. Um, Some people are more hands-on with things. Some people need to internalize things. And I think it's really important to understand that just because they learn differently, it doesn't make it right or, and it doesn't make it wrong. It just is a place where you need to compromise or just accept the fact that it might take them longer than it took you or, um, that, they need to do something differently to grasp the same concepts that you just picked up so easily. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think listening, I think listening and communicating as well as understanding, you know, what, how the other person is actually internalizing things is really important. Um, You know, I also think one of the, one of the big things that I don't do right at all is having a set schedule you know, you, you cannot talk about work 24 hours a day. But that's something that that I do. And I'm I'm awful at it. You know, I think that one thing that we should probably do when I was putting all this together is setting limits on uh, like when you talk about work and when you don't talk about work, like say at dinner, you just have a blanket rule that you just don't do not discuss anything about the workday during dinner. You know, there was there was ideas like having a weekly date night and that kind of stuff. And I think that that's a great idea. Can't really do it right now during COVID. Uh, And, you know, especially if you're in our position to where we we don't have any family around us at all. So it's you know, you're shelling out money to do anything because we got to pay somebody to watch our kids. But the uh, you know, it's it's important to have time away with each other. It's important to kind of set those boundaries. I would actually say that if you are growing fast enough and you can invest in office space, that you get office space and that you and your spouse work in that office space. That way you've kind of, you've put that, you know, wall up between your home life and your work life because you, you have a, like a rented office that you're going to. Uh, But we, I definitely need to get better at uh, separating work. I mean, it's, it's late at night right now and we're filming this. So it's one of those things that where it just seems like it's just work, work, yeah. work, 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 work. But it's also like that is what makes it very difficult when our personal lives bleed into or 
let me take that back. When our professional lives bleed into our personal lives and it just seems like there's no break, it's all that we talk about. But under the same like token, we're building a, a small business and every element of that business is being done by one of us, mainly this guy over here, but, um, there's just so many things that you have to do in order to be successful. And when you're small time, you're doing all of that on your own. So while it's difficult to separate the two, it is definitely imperative to your success. All right. All right. So let's, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back or when we, after the break, I want to talk about uh, business styles uh, and when not to work with your partner. So let's, let's take a break and we'll, we will be right back. Do you still email a PDF for a contract? Are you struggling to remember who you sent files to or what those files were? You need a solid CRM, a customer relation management tool a program that will send professional files and contracts all on your behalf. One that does not need to be printed, signed, and emailed back. Is this the Stone Age? You need HoneyBook. We've been using them for years now, and it increased our productivity by taking menial tasks and automating them. You can set up custom workflows to automatically send emails, payment reminders, thank you responses, etc. You can send brochures, questionnaires, and invoices too. We have three set up. One for when a couple inquires, one for after a call with a couple, and one for a booked wedding with nine steps. That saves us so much time on the back end. What would you do with more time? Spend more time with your family, spend more time working on creative projects, or just simply relaxing. Use our affiliate link below to save 50% on your first year. Go ahead. It's on us. Start saving time and money today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back from break. Uh, We were going to go into discussing business styles and when not to work with your partner. So I guess let's just let's just roll right into some business strategies and then also learning styles and what just I mean, you got to make sure that both of you are on the same page when it comes to financial uh, financial decisions and business goals. And the biggest reason why is you want to make sure that both people are kept in the loop. So if more people understand what the goals are, if more people have a clear vision of what, you know, the end of the year should look like more people, those, those same people will have more at stake. So they will be more likely to be more involved in the decision-making process and that kind of stuff because they feel like they have, you know, skin in the game. So it's really important to keep everybody in the loop of what's going on just in general. You know, I think that one thing that I think that we actually should do that just popped into my head right now is in my previous life, we would have a vision statement. So you would write a statement out that would say something like it's December of 2021 and dot, 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 dot. So like it's December of 21 and we have a thousand followers on YouTube 
uh, we've filmed 25 weddings and, you know, you just kind of go through your goals so you can, you can constantly like pick that vision statement up, say every couple of months and read it and just refresh your, re refresh your memory on like, oh, this is what the end of the year is supposed to look like. So, so vision statements actually help now that I think about it. I think that everybody makes decisions in a, uh, in a different, in a completely different manner. I think that some people like to jump into things. Some people like to take their time and kind of feel things out. I think that some people are guided more by facts than by emotional components. So it's, it's really important to understand like where your partner sits with those. And I don't, did you want to talk to him about scuba diving? Yeah. I mean, I think playing into what you were just speaking about, um, and, how differently people are like we are definitely different when it comes to these things phil jumped in head first when it came to our diving experience um what normally takes people about a year plus to finish um we finished our master scuba diver in a little over six months maybe and Phil was all about it, but secretly I was like dying inside because I, we were just going so fast. And if any of you have ever dove, you know that there's a lot to it than just putting on gear and hopping in the water. Like your body adjusts differently. For me, it took, oh, I would say a solid 15, 20 dives to just figure out how to equalize my nose, like, or my ears using my nose, obviously. But, um, there were times we came up, my goggles were filled with blood. Um, no, I just grossed everybody out. I'm sure. But these <laughs> things, I mean, it just, if we had taken time and I had been more vocal about things and we had moved a little bit more slowly or at my pace, I would have had more time to adjust and learn the ropes, but I kind of just gripped my teeth and tried to keep up and, you know, it all ended up working out. I ended up figuring it out in the long run, but it took a long time. Yeah, no. And I, I just, I think that it's important that people understand that people learn differently. They, they make decisions differently. They react differently to different situations. Uh, and that you understand what's better for the both of you. And I think that's kind of a perfect segue into, I think it's really important to understand what each person's strengths and weaknesses are so that you can play to those strengths. You know, I think that if, somebody is better at the business aspect of things compared to someone who's better at the, I don't know, social media or the editing aspect of things that you guys divide and conquer, that you figure out what works well for one person and what works well for the other person. And you really play to those strengths and you want to make sure that you are just encouraging the use of those behaviors just over and over and over again, because a that goes back to solidifying, you know, roles and responsibilities and then kind of keeping that separation. And B, if people are doing things that they are legitimately good at and they like, they're going to keep doing it and they're just going to get better at it. And there's no reason for, let's say hypothetically, 
I'm good at editing a video, but I'm not good at color grading. I don't think that there's a reason why I should spend my time and effort getting good at color grading when Brittany is good at color grading and she can just do it and I can take a skill that I'm already good at editing and just get better at doing it. Like that to me, it just doesn't make sense to, to waste resources into something that you might never be good at. So it's it's good that you you kind of play off of each other's strengths. And I think that that would, you would be significantly better off as a company doing that than you would by trying to force the other person to do something that A, they weren't good at, or B, they just didn't like to do. Yeah, no, I mean, anyone that, I mean, is better at doing something. It's not a competition between you and your spouse or your business partner or whoever it is you're in business with. Um, and if they're successful, then you're successful. So if they're doing a better job at something, then maybe they should take over that aspect of the business. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... I, I just I think that it's it's really important that you're you're looking at each other's strengths. You're keeping that communication loop open. That you're you're always you know talking to each other about what's going on with this and what's going on with that. That way everybody feels like they're included. Um, and I also think that putting together a vision statement is probably a really a really good idea. And I guess this moves me into our our next and and final point is when not to work with your partner. So this might sound a little callous and I don't mean it like this, but if you think that going into business with your significant other is going to A, save your relationship or B, save your marriage or something like that, you are probably 100% incorrect. And I equate that to working together or, um, like I, I equate that to just working together and like that mentality of let's have a baby and it'll make our marriage better. That's just not, that's not going to work. It is not going to help. You don't want a business baby. Yeah. You don't want a bit. Yeah. You should put that on a t-shirt. You don't want a business baby. <laughs> so I don't think that if your marriage is in a rocky position or your relationship is in a rocky position, that going into an entrepreneurial endeavor is going to help it. In fact, it's probably going to do the opposite. I think that you're going to end up with more complications than what you had. And I think that it's just going to give the two of you reasons to disagree about things more so than it would be if you you didn't. And, you know, I, I guess I also don't think that if your business is struggling or something like that, that if you think that pulling in your partner is going to help your business, it's probably not. And what, what I mean by that is that move puts an insane amount of pressure onto the other person. So hypothetically speaking, if our wedding business was just tanking right now, and I said, oh, I'm going to force Brittany to help me in my wedding business. And then Brittany comes on board and Brittany cannot do things to help the wedding business. That's A, going to put a 
just a 100% strain on your relationship. And B, it's not going to save your business. No, but you're also setting that person up for failure. Yeah, it's going to give you it's going to give you someone to blame for the business yeah, failure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. So I mean, I, I think it would it causes resentment. I think that, you know, you would, you'd blame your partner because your business is now not successful, even though it's something that you had failed to do to begin with. And I'm not saying that you we're not talking to anybody in particular, I'm just making all this stuff but up. But I, uh, I just I don't think that dragging your partner into your business, if a your business is failing, or b your relationship is failing, is a good idea. Like you you need to have a solid foundation for your relationship, your business needs to be in good standing and that kind of stuff. And then they also want to willingly do it. Brittany, she, she I was drug. She it. was yeah, she was kind of voluntold. But that was, you know, She's she, like I said, she's my ride or die. I need some help. So, yeah, well, that kind of sounds very hypocritical <laughs> from everything that you just said. But well, our business isn't failing. No, it's not. <laughs> no, none of those things are true. Um, however, you know, there there has to be some sort of like want to be a part of it, too. I mean, I may not have been on the forefront of like, we're going to do this, but I mean, let's be honest, our company didn't start from wedding videography. Like it was a slow progression into something. And we've always had, ever since we fell into Massachusetts, um, we knew that this was an awesome market for weddings. And that was just like something that we picked up on while we were staying at the Hilton Garden Inn oh, the Hilton. for, you know, Phil was there for like four months, but. Yes. Okay. So let's kind of backtrack. So now that we're getting completely off topic, when, when I first came out to Massachusetts, uh, the company that I worked for put me up at a hotel for four months until I could find a place to live. And if anybody, if anybody thinks it's cool to live in a hotel for that long, like it's not, I, I thought it was going to be like, like something out of a movie where I was like going into my suite and that kind of stuff. And I will give the Hilton some credit because I was there for so long. They, uh, they bumped me up to a handicap room, which is significantly larger than a regular room. So that was, you know, that was, that was actually kind of cool. Was, yeah. No. So, I mean, all I was getting at is that, I mean, I was quote unquote drug into it, but you're also drug out here. <laughs> there was, <laughs> An interest, a liking. I've always had an interest in photography. Um, videography was just kind of an added bonus, especially because we got into it around the time that we had children and documenting them growing up. And just even if it were little clips here and there of their lives, like there was just interest in it. And I've always been interested in weddings. I mean, every... Maybe not every girl, but everyone kind of has a soft spot for a wedding. And I mean, our business has kind of taken on a life of its own. And I was happy to be drug into it, if you will. Yeah, I mean, just just kind of to piggyback off some things that, that Britt was just talking about. I mean, only go into business with your partner because you have planned to do it and your partner wants to do it. Um if your business is failing, 
hire a business consultant. Don't drag your partner into it and then expect them to be able to mystically fix it. You know, especially if your partner has zero background in business or consulting and that kind of stuff, like you're, you're just, you're dragging in somebody who's completely oblivious to what's going on. And then you expect them to mystically fix your, your company. That's just not going to work. And then also, you know, on, on the flip side, if, your partner can't do your business, just have them help them with things outside of it. Like you don't necessarily need to bring them into it if you don't want to. I just, I I just, I can't stress this enough. I do not think that if your relationship is on a rocky standpoint, opening a company together is going to make things better. Nor do I think that bringing your, your partner into your business when your business is failing is going to make your business successful. I just, I don't, unless your partner happens to be a consultant who specializes in failing companies and turning them around, you know, in that case, maybe, yeah, that might be a good idea, but chances are uh, that that's not the case. So let's, let's not do that. So I guess just kind of to wrap things up, I think that working with your, your partner or your significant other is really cool. I think that it's, I think it's pretty awesome. I do like, why I don't like it. I love working with Brit. Uh, you know, you just need to know the risks of what you're getting into. You need to know how to avoid those risks and just some general rules, just to kind of recap, you need to be nice to the person. You need to help each other out. You need to play to each other's strengths and you need to communicate, 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 communicate. That is very, very important. So, um, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. It's Brit's first episode. So, you know, if you liked it, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast, either on YouTube or, you know, Apple, Spotify, that kind of stuff. Join our private Facebook group, uh, Wedding Videography for Beginners. And again, you know, just thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We hope everybody's staying safe and we will talk to you here in a couple weeks. All right. Are you looking at a really nice camera you can't afford? Are you wondering how companies afford six red Monstro 8K cameras and all the trimmings? You need to make more money so you can buy one. No, I'm kidding. You need to rent. Renting equipment is way easier than you think. You can ship it all back and forth from your house, and it's way cheaper than buying. Best of all, you should include the rental cost in your pricing to pass on the expense because you're shooting with better gear. Wouldn't it be great to use something other than a Canon SL2 for your next project? Rent a Sony A7S III or a Canon 1DX Mark III. You don't need to buy them. We rent additional cameras, lighting gear, and audio equipment all the time from Borrow Lenses. We've never had a late shipment or anything other than an awesome experience with their customer service. Use our affiliate link below to get renting today and you'll have professional equipment tomorrow.